All right, dear. We've got refreshments and an hour blocked off. I think it's time to finish X Necrotia. Gosh, it's been such a week. I'm just thrilled that I can sit here with you a little bit and finish up the zombie story. Are you ready to talk about... No, not again. We already fought zombies last time. Wait, what's going on? Oh, jeez, who are you all? You don't remember us, Scooter? How dare you? You stopped responding to my Lululemon invites. They were an excellent investment opportunity. How have you even gotten by without me? Wait, are you... The editor-in-chief of Marvel Comics? You bet your sweet keister. Oh my gosh. Multi-level marketing apocalypse? It's, uh, well, I can't say we've missed you. But you've missed out on some great products! And what, reverse Christie? That's right. I've barely gotten any mischief in. What gives? We haven't been in a cold open in a dog's age. Uh, well... <laughs> yeah, what do, you, what do you mean? Yeah, Chris, you're the one who writes these. You've crafted us! Every Cutco visit I've made was by your hand! Wait, you think these are scripted? This has all the hallmarks of silly writing, kid! You think we all just exist for the heck of it? Yep, that's exactly what I think. Wait, what are you doing? Just doing a little uh, last-minute note-taking. And then the forgotten Coldoven characters laughed at the big funny bit... And then we started the show. All right, line in three, two, one. Ha ha ha! Wow, what a hilarious anecdote! Breaking the fourth wall, so classic! <laughs> what a plot beat, kid! Hilarious! <laughs> I'm on to you. <laughs> uh, what, what, a, what a fun time before the, before the show starts, huh? Uh... What just happened? Just a just a fun little encounter, dear. <laughs> you uh you ready to talk about comics? Uh yes. I'm Christina Edelman. And I'm Chris Edelman. And this is Chris's on Infinite Earths. The podcast where nothing will ever be the same. Welcome, readers, to part two of two of our ex-Necrotia coverage. That's right. We are finishing up with this X-Men zombie-themed crossover. Mm -hmm. The last three of the X-Force issues and then the X-Men legacy issues. Right. Little, little side story for us there. Mm -hmm. You gotta love a good side quest. <laughs> It is like a real side questy story. I mean, we'll discuss it a little bit. I mean, it's a completely separate villain, totally ancillary from the main story. It is. And they very they make sure to explain this is different. <laughs> <laughs> it might seem that this is the same, but it is not. <laughs> it's like how Squirrel Girl said that she was legally distinct from being a mutant. She was born with powers, but is... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yes, yeah, of course. And I wanted to make sure we thanked our patron who requested this crossover. Are you talking about patron Gerald Kala? Yes, Gerald. Thank you very much. And if you want to be like Gerald, you, you should become a patron too. Yeah, we've got lots of tiers and lots of rewards. 
Mm-hmm. You can make us talk about things. <laughs> you can make us with talk. Nearly no limits. Some limits. Some limits. With 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 small limits. The limits are only length. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the only limit. Early on, I forgot to set something. Like the first time I ever emailed out, like, "Hey, it's time for you to request stuff," and I'm like. Oh no, what if they pick like Age of Apocalypse? That's like, that's like a whole omnibus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Whew. Yeah. Uh, it, it's not like that mean girl's equation. The limit does exist. The limit does exist, unfortunately. I don't know calculus. I just know that line. <laughs> I almost just said, yeah, you know what else happened recently that was in Mean Girls? It was April 25th, but that's not, that's not Mean Girls. That's October something. October 3rd is the Mean Girls date. October. April 25th is Miss Congeniality. Yes. But by the time this comes out... Who knows? Somebody could be listening to this in October. A October at some point. I was trying to to do a... Get to love somebody. Guess what? It's gonna be May. Perfect. Thank you. Because it will be May when this comes out. It will. It's April now, but it won't be soon. Soon. May's a good month. It Readers, it's Chris's birthday month. You might remember last year... Uh, at the beginning of lockdown, where I was like, "Man, I've really got to do a whole bunch to make Chris's birthday special." This year, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to make Chris's birthday special. <laughs> not that much, but uh, you know, I'm not like schools aren't like locked down, and I'm not like working from home <laughs> with abundant amounts of time. I'm I'm back in the classroom again. <laughs> Woo! But yeah, May's a great month. Fantastic. It's the first month you're allowed to, to stop wearing shoes, according mm-hmm. to my mom. My mom there's, said... There's lots of sunshine. The days are really long. It's true. Uh, sunshine, a thing that's not in mm-hmm. these X-Force issues. There's no sunshine. Ain't no sunshine in X-Force. Anyway, in case readers were left hanging, my mom's rule was if the month has an R in it, you have to wear shoes outside. They really needed to know that rule. Well... I said, like my mom said, and then we like steamrolled over it. And I'm like, what if they need to know? I was really thinking about what I wanted to say and how clever it was. (laughs) So much so. (laughs) Why didn't you read my mind that your time talking was done? And it was my time now. (laughs) Christy's like, the time of the Chris is over. I have thoughts. (laughs) The time of the Christy has begun. (laughs) (laughs) And this is where readers stop listening. (laughs) But are we ready to get into summarizing these six issues? Uh, Yeah, let's do it. X-Men Legacy number 231 through 233. Written by Mike Carey, penciled by Clay Mann, inked by Danny Mickey, Alan Martinez, Walden Wong, and Jay Leaston. Colored by Brian Reber, lettered by Corey Pettit, and edited by Nick Lowe. Issue 231. While the battle rages, the clairvoyant blindfold enters the fray, asking Cyclops to speak with him for a moment. The Stepford Cuckoos allow for some psychic time in which Blindfold tells Cyclops that the resurrected Destiny relayed to her that there is a cancer on Muir Island. She also asks him about her mother, but Cyclops doesn't have any information on her. Destiny convinces a guard to her prison to let her go in exchange for his fortune told, and he is later found having hung himself with Destiny gone. Really dark. Nightcrawler forms an away team with Colossus, Magneto, Psylocke, a blindfold, rogue, trance, and husk, and heads off to Muir Island to check it out. Magneto uses the trip to try to 
flirt with Rogue, which thankfully is pretty unsuccessful. Upon arrival, the team does some reconnaissance, only to find the island in Moira's lab mostly empty. However, Blindfold feels a weird jolt of energy, running away from the group to find Destiny, who tells her that he used her to bring the X-Men to him. Blindfold grabs Destiny's hand and is jolted with more energy. Rogue walks in as Blindfold starts floating, talking in a strange voice, before revealing she has been possessed. By the resurrected Proteus. Issue number 232. Flash to three hours from now as Magneto is dreadfully injured, Kurt and Colossus are presumed dead, and Rogue, Psylocke, Husk, and Trance make a plan to get back to the Blackbird to radio Utopia, thinking there's no way they can beat the reality-warping Proteus. Flash back to three hours ago as the blindfold-possessed Proteus fights our heroes, filling Magneto's blood with lead, launching Colossus out of the lab, breaking Psylocke's arm, and possessing poor Kurt. Proteus can now possess multiple people. Great! He teleports Trance and Husk away, and Rogue grabs Kurt, using his power to teleport away as well. Psylocke theorizes that Proteus didn't really die years and years ago, but merely had his energy dispersed, which clung to the resurrected Destiny, influencing her to get them all to go back to Muir Island. Sure. The crew heads back to the Blackbird, but finds the unconscious Colossus's landing has wrecked the whole thing. Things go from bad to worse when Proteus appears again, using his powers to possess everyone but Rogue, Colossus, and Magneto. Magneto uses his powers to puppet Colossus, fighting off several of the possessed mutants, while Rogue steals Betsy's psychic powers and psychic knife's trance, which seems to interfere with the Proteus possession. In a last-ditch effort, Magneto hurls a chunk of rock that he and Proteus, in Blindfold's body, are standing on into the atmosphere. Issue number 233. As Magneto and Proteus, by way of Blindfold, hurtle towards space, Rogue makes quick work of the Proteus-possessed X-Men, using Betsy's psychic knife to great effect on everyone but Husk. Husk Proteus beats the heck out of Rogue, and Proteus nearly gets to the point of possessing Rogue before, zap, Psylocke gets Husk with her own original flavor psychic knife. Magneto finds that he's able to shield himself from Proteus due to Proteus's energy form being close to that of electromagnetism, which causes Proteus to fling the rock back to Earth. It explodes over our heroes and the smoke clears to show blindfold Proteus standing over the fallen Magneto. He tries to possess Magneto, but Magneto has spent enough time around Proteus to figure out his energy signature. And Mags rips Proteus out of blindfold, dispersing him into the winds. Everyone is mostly okay somehow, and Rogue chats with her foster mom, Destiny, who tells her that the resurrection is only temporary, but also that Rogue shares a bond with the mutant messiah Hope. Destiny then pops over to Blindfold and reveals that she is Blindfold's great-grandma, and also tells Blindfold that her mother died protecting her from her brother. Okay. Nightcrawler and Colossus fix up the plane, and the whole crew leaves for Utopia. X-Force, issues 23 through 25. Written by Craig Kyle and Christopher Yost. Art by Clayton Crane. Lettered by Corey Pettit. Edited by Janine Schaefer. Issue number 23. So when we last left X-Force, Hrimhari had summoned Hela, and he now asks her for a boon to save Rain and his unborn child in exchange for his soul. 
She's like, nah, that's a two for one deal. So instead he smartly saves the close to death elixir and then fades away to one L hell. The X-Men fight Celine's inner circle, but things don't go super well as the very well-known mutants Diamond Lil, Meld, and Onyx are killed in the fray, with Archangel having his wings horrifically damaged. Warpath goes to grab the blade that Celine needs, intent on killing Bard with it. But the inner circle grabs him and teleports back to Necrotia, where Warpath's resurrected brother Thunderbird looms close to Celine. Elixir uses his powers to modify Rain's body to make it okay to carry her half-Asgardian fetus, and she is, in general, pretty confused about what's going on. Emma tells Scott that they absolutely have to kill Selene, and old Cyclops sends X-Force, who just so conveniently have Vanisher there to teleport them to Genosha. Issue 24 Bard comes back with the blade, but ultimately Selene is pretty ticked that he lost in the first place, and after telling him that he was in fact her true love... She stabs him, and he disintegrates. She then commands Thunderbird to take Warpath to the dungeon! And of course Warpath is all, Fight her, brother, you can do it! But Thunderbird is all like, I can't! Four miles away, X-Force teleports in, and Rain immediately demands to be taken back, but realizes she now has enhanced strength and durability? Neat! Which Elixir theorizes is due to him matching Rain's strength to that of her babies. Oh, also, hundreds of zombie mutants approach them. Selene prepares to start her ritual, and Caliban informs her that X-Force approaches. X-Force scraps with the hordes of mutants, as well as members of the inner circle, and Vanisher pieces out once he realizes that Elixir never put a tumor in his brain. Thunderbird, under watch of Blink, tortures Warpath, but also whispers to him that he absolutely must defeat Selene. Vanisher teleports in, grabbing Warpath, but not before being terribly injured by Blink. Selene completes her ritual, consuming all the undead mutants, okay, most of them, in a big blue light. Vanisher teleports X-Force away, and Warpath tells them he's going to teach them how to defeat Selene. Issue number 25. Magic users across the world feel a jolt as Selene finishes her ritual, and now she is a literal towering giant. At Utopia, all the zombies vanish as Blink recalls them to Genosha to be food for the ritual. Warpath and X-Force paint their faces in white as Warpath is going to use the Native American ghost dance to defeat Selene. Not sure how accurate that one is. As the inner circle wonders what's going to happen to them, X-Force ports in. The scrap begins in earnest as X-23 and Wolverine slash up Sinyaka. Archangel beats Blink, Wolfsbane beats Mortis, and then Elixir faces and explodes his rival, Wither. Warpath faces down his controlled brother and beats him, telling him he loves him as he snaps his undead neck. This is a real dark issue, by the way. Selene enters the fray, attempting to steal X-Force's souls, but finds she cannot. X-Force holds her down, and Warpath leaps at her, burying the dagger in her chest and killing her. A spiritual image of Thunderbird appears, telling his brother, It's okay to let go, before disappearing. After just a really awful time, they head back to Utopia, where Logan tells Cyclops basically nobody wants to be an X-Force anymore. Hooray? So, I feel like we have just covered two very different stories that are only related because they happen at the same time. 
Yes. X-Men Legacy literally even says, like, Proteus is not resurrected by Selene. 100% not. Definitely not the same thing. We're going to use a few panels to explain this. <laughs> so you probably are not super familiar with Proteus. Um, no. And to me, Proteus and, and Legion are similar flavors. I feel like they've been combined in something. I don't remember if it was the cartoon or what. I think... I don't remember if Proteus is in the cartoon. But the whole deal is that Proteus is Moira's mutant son. Mm-hmm. But, Who's a Proteus's dad? Uh, some, some guy McTaggart. And maybe we should deliver a slight content warning before I say any more. So content warning for sexual assault. If you don't want to hear about that, skip ahead like a minute. So the original story is that Proteus was conceived by by rape. Oh, you have told me this. And it's like a it makes him evil. It like it doesn't say that, but it, it's like somewhat implied <sighs> and it's like It's just the worst trope. It's a really bad trope. Oh, it's awful. And this is this like happened while they were married. Of course, this is a thing that happens to people while they're married, but it's like it's brought up, it's kind of explained that way. And Proteus has to exist by like eating people's bodies and then once he consumes them he has to jump to another body it is literally just like the way he has to exist mm-hmm. so like his, but he wasn't born that way right i th- i can't remember when his mutant powers activated right but like i feel like kind of early on but he has to do that but he also has reality warping powers right he is currently in x comics a member of the five and they get they literally explain in a data page that he gets around this by they just uh, they just keep growing husks of charles xavier and he just keeps jumping between them (laughs) which it's like elixir or not elixir proteus's whole deal is like you know like is a snake evil for eating a mouse like it it has to to, to right like this power is he literally has to do that to stay alive right and it it does it stinks because he has to do it he has to like kill innocent people to stay alive it's very vampiric right but it's I like the way that they've gotten over it because mutants just have ways to find creative solutions now. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, too, because, like, you know, now he seems, like, completely adjusted and happy and there's all this, like, very sinister evil stuff is not happening. I think a lot of that, a lot of it's probably kind of hand-wavy, but a lot of it is also, like, oh, why do you need to be? Right. Once your needs are met. Right. Or maybe you're just fine. Because, in general, people don't want to do bad things. I mean, that's a philosophical standpoint that I share. Yeah, I th- I think in general, people mostly just want to, and this is not 100% true, but I think in general, most people just want to have their needs met and generally be left alone. Not like alone alone, but they just don't, they don't want to be messed with and they just want to, you know. Right, they just, they just want to be, like, be able to live their life and have their needs met. Yeah, and mm. not have anybody mess with that. You know, not everybody feels this compulsion to consume souls and become... A goddess. <laughs> Celine is very much not this. It is an interesting... But if you didn't know this about Proteus, like, you probably think, like, oh, he's so sinister. And he is kind of, like, weirdly sinister in this. Like, grabbing everybody's bodies. Mm-hmm. I mean, who killed him? The, or, Colossus. Ki- oh. It was the first time Colossus ever killed somebody, and it's, like, a very big deal in that story. This is really early Claremont stuff, by the way. Mm. Like, within the first 30 issues or so. Man, how does Colossus take out Proteus? 
I can't remember what happens, but he does, he like breaks his neck or something. It's like that easy. I can't remember. I don't, I don't know if he sneaks up on him or what, but he does something and just like, he has like one moment to make a split second choice. And like, that's what he does. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Hence a Colossus getting very, chucked very far away. Yeah. Yeah. You you almost wonder if it was like compulsive. Like, like, no, get get the large metal man far away from me. <laughs> you know, sometimes we all feel like that. And then we see very confusing art. Uh, readers, to explain this, this, his Hellfire Gala garb was just revealed. <gasps> and a lot of people who are not really into Colossus, <gasps> like, as like a, as like a, as like a person are still like, wow, that's a, that's a pretty mm. good look. Mm. These are the same noises I make, like, when I eat food. So. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> If you make Christy like a re- like a really nice medium rare ribeye, this is what you get. Hmm. Yep. Mm. Also, when you have spicy food, you also do a who. The spice, yeah, spicy food, you get the who. Yep, that's true. But that's kind of the whole the whole deal with Proteus. Mm-hmm. Distinct from Legion, Legion is Professor Xavier and Gabrielle Holler's son. Gabrielle Holler was a patient of his from when he was doing work with Magneto in Israel. Yes, there is definitely some ethical boundaries that were crossed there that are brought up it is never it is usually not treated in the story as wow it was still a good idea for him to do this it's like wow you you messed up chuck it doesn't help my compute or my connection i guess between the two that in the last thing that we really read with legion in it legion made an alternate universe where moira was his mom yes legion also has reality morphing powers (laughs) so i mean (laughs) Xavier and Moira both have similar flavors of bad sons. And uh, I wouldn't say Legion's bad. I think he was neglected. Well, I think we but just But to be fair, said, that's Proteus, right. too. So, but I, this whole... Villainous. Villainous, sure. This bo- this is explained in the last issue of Powers of Ten. Oh, uh, yeah. Where there's literally, like, Moira's, like, like Charles and I are, are going to maybe try to like do a little eugenics and make a super powerful mutant that can reality warp to like cheat. And they would both do mm-hmm. and they mess it up. Both of them. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It's a uh, parenthood's hard. It's tough. You got to do things. To be yep. Fair, Char- Charles did not know that Chris Legion was his parenthood. Kid. You've got to do things. Father of the year. <laughs> okay i'm sorry you were saying uh i don't think charles if i recall did not know that he had a son for a long time oh yeah kind of like kept it from him i hate that trope too i don't know why whatever but um they are legally distinct i feel like sometimes they're lumped together because sure Mm -hmm. like if you're if you're doing some short some like if you're trying to really do a quick x-men story and you need somebody yeah just put them together whatever it's fine the troubled sons the troubled sons of moira and charles separately not this not together right right what did you think of this x-men legacy stuff so this is like the same run that age of x was from even Mm. same artist i really loved the uh bits with destiny and rogue well destiny's her mommy so yes, right yes i i know this yeah i feel like one of the um, like seeing Rogue and Mystique. I can't remember what event it was that we were reading them, but they were on, was it on Genosha again? I don't know. And Rogue kills Mystique. 
That was at Muir Island. Muir Island. Muir Island. It was on it an was, island. No, was, one of the X Men Islands. They Mas- got a lot of them. Messiah Complex. Yes. Yes. Was that I before? Don't, or I don't after think this? she. Does she kill Mystique? I, she. She touches her. She touches her. That's right. Messiah Complex is before this. They are not. They were not on Utopia yet. Oh man! But right so, after this is Second Coming, which is the the third in the messiah trilogy of mm-hmm. messiah complex messiah war second coming and second coming is really big like one of our patrons like we you know we do like a 12 issue limit for patron mm-hmm. requests it is bigger than that mm. so like a patron could not request it i i know we need to do it at some point i don't know how we're gonna do it yeah, yeah. so just very different experiences of of mom interactions there yeah um I think Destiny is probably a better person than Mystique. (laughs) (laughs) Destiny is still a criminal. Also, I love... This is like the least insufferable Destiny. I love Destiny, especially when she's being insufferable. There's bits (laughs) where she's fighting the X-Men and she'll just be like, I foresaw that happening. And then like someone like clubs her in the back of the head. And as she's like going down, she's like, just as I foresaw. And I'm like... She just always say that. Like, does Destiny actually have powers? Or does she just, like, convince people they have to trip at the right time? <laughs> oh, but it was some real sweet mother-daughter moments. I was not a fan of Magneto and Rogue. Magneto, you're too old. Stop it. Get a job. No. Oh, that cover. They, they they were involved before. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Mm. They were, though. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. No. In the Savage Land. Mm. Well, you know. I don't like it. Yeah, okay. It happened. It, I'm is sorry. It, is it, maybe, no, maybe it, Rogue is like older than I imagine her being, no. but I don't. Uh, in this in, in this appearance, she is what I would consider to be a fully grown woman. In the first time it happened, it was pretty early in Rogue's tenure as part of the X-Men. And I think she joined the X-Men when she was like 21. Magneto's like 50. Yeah, that's probably. Yes and no. He at one point was turned into a baby and then aged back up. So it's kind of hard to tell how old In Magneto my is. mind, Magneto is 50. Well, he's got gray hair. I get it. But I have gray hair. So who knows? Maybe Magneto's 35. Okay. No, 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 no. He's not. But this I'm is kidding, comics. If a character in comics has gray hair, they're, they're old. Yeah, they're old. You're right. No, I think he's 52. I'm kidding. Um, okay. Magneto and, and, and younger women happens like way more than I, than, than I want to see. But it's also because like there's not a ton of like older lady X-Men. Who's like the who's like an elder statesman ex lady? I mean, like, that would be like Destiny. Destiny is like yeah, she's and she's not. I really mean, Selene is technically thousands of years old. Selene is at this point the oldest mutant that ever existed. But but when are we going to get an ex lady in in the actual body of like an older woman? Doesn't happen. Much. Why do we get gr- gray foxes as men but not as women? I I completely agree. I said gray fox. I believe the term is silver fox. I think I like gray fox. That's pretty good. <laughs> gray fox sounds like a like a code name. You know, it's funny though. Like you say that, but like, ton, how many people are like weirdly into Magneto? Like real life people who are like, whoof, Magneto. Yeah, I mean, I think that just has a lot to do with the representation of older men versus older. I, yeah, I completely feel you. I mm-hmm. don't think that's a Magneto thing. Right. Although no one feels that for Charles, so who knows? <laughs> Magneto made some valid points. Charles Xavier is a jerk. Very recently, Magneto uh, was fighting an alien from space and dropped four satellites on him. It was the <laughs> coolest thing. Hmm. Uh, See, I think 
I think what Magneto has going for him is that expectation of like he he's been the villain. So when he does good things, it's like, oh, look at these good things he does. Right. Where Charles is supposed to be this leader of the heroic team who makes so many failures. <laughs> he sure does. So many that overshadow the good because he's supposed to be good. And when a good person fails, that's what you remember. Do you like that Charles Xavier is only in this entire event to hang out with the New Mutants for like a few panels? Sure. Yeah. This is very much a time of, of Scott being like, Charles, you haven't you done enough? <laughs> like that's a real Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. I remember reading this era of like, man, a lot of could you kind not? of like, could you not, bud? Kind of like power struggles. Yeah. Kind of like. Scott's really, really become the leader, mm-hmm. as it were. I did like that Husk got to be in this a little bit, because I kind of have a soft spot for Husk. Yeah, Husk is great. But she doesn't get to do anything. No. It's unfortunate. She gets, like, possessed, and that was it. I read a cool thread from somebody on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I believe it was uh, Daryl Io, who said that Husk is such a cool shapeshifter power set because it is so visually represented. Like, it is such a good comic-y power. That's very true, yeah. Like, she can literally, there's literally, like, she rips off, like, her skin and there's lava underneath. And so you can always kind of draw, like, these kind of cool comic booky things. Yeah, you can also have Toad have one of her husks. Just as, like, a... To dress up as a doll and have tea with. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, so weird. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So... The X-Men Legacy stuff was kind of a fun side story, but it was really like a side story to what X-Necrotia is all about, which is Selene and zombies. Right. right? Like, you find out that that Ruth, blindfold, is probably like Destiny's great-granddaughter, but it's so like, maybe. (laughs) Well, yeah, Destiny's like, "Uh, you know, we're probably related, but uh, maybe something more like a Mm great-grandma. But yeah, your mom really is dead. I know that. Mm Mm-hmm. I Destiny's like, it. boy, I've had a lot of kids. It's been a real, <laughs> been a real wild time. <laughs> Destiny, like, really sowing her wild oats. I mean, pres- the, that's the only kid of hers that we know of. For a while, there was the, like Claremont wanted Destiny to be Nightcrawler's mom, right? But like to say, I'm probably maybe like something. <laughs> I don't know. It, it makes it seem like there's been a lot. <laughs> like she doesn't like- remember. I don't know. You're like kid number ten. <laughs> Destiny's just having lots of babies. That is kind of an interesting thing that she's like, I guess maybe. You can't she can't even be like, you know, like you are you are descended from like my one or two children. She's like <laughs> I got nothing. It seems like there's probably some DNA, but you know, I can't say that I foresaw this. <laughs> Bonk, just as I foresaw. <laughs> I love Destiny because she can just say stuff like that. Sure. She gets her coffee. Oh, it didn't have the cream in it. But just as she foresaw, she knew that was going to happen. Yeah. But you're right. I'm sorry. We, the, the real, really, like, if we wanted to get to the heart of Necrotia, I feel like really all we needed to do was read the X Force bits. It's, it's true. Like, I feel like the only actual crossover between the other titles in this is. The fact that they acknowledge that these zombies are a thing that are happening. I mean, I, I say that, but New Mutants was definitely, like, Doug came back to life. There's no other explanation. Right. It's it's but, not like a Battle of the Atom, though, where it's a one after another. Right, right. It's a branching. Absolutely. 
And like Celine isn't the big bad in any of the other titles. In no, this. she's like she might show up in New Mutants for like a panel or two. Yeah, and I mean, I th- she is present in one of like the X Men Legacy issues. Like we see her, and I'm like, oh, this is Celine as interpreted by a different artist, and it looks entirely different. Yeah, I um, think my favorite Celine uh, from recent is Pepe Larraz's Celine. She's just holding a skull. <laughs> I mean, I think if you were going to say your your favorite of, like, anything, like, Pepe Loras would probably be up there. I mean, they had him draw a group shot of a bunch of mutant villains, and they all look just great, so it's really hard to argue. <laughs> oh. But yes, X-Force uh, continues to be very dark. and it, We don't necessarily just mean, like, tonally, like, the, the Clayton Crane's art is just very, like shadowy moody not like shadowy makes it seem like there's contrast in a way that there kind of isn't it is just very darkly colored dark washes are the background of everything there are very few clearly defined settings it's like everybody's fighting at night it's always like cloudy or in a dimly lit space right light sources we get are oftentimes based in people's powers mm-hmm. blink Provides a lot of light sources with her pink powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still, like, the art is very stylistically unique in, like, those slightly larger heads, the bigger eyes, the incredibly teeny tiny bodies. Yeah, everybody's got little bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, which was tough for me because um, I that's not a style I love. Right. Um, it's interesting who got big bodies. It was mostly, like, Warpath. Warpath mm-hmm. is big. Mm-hmm. Thunderbird gets to kind of be big. It got especially tough in the issues where they're like, we're going to disguise ourselves as zombies. And so all of the characters looked even more identical. Well, see, they weren't, e- Christy, they weren't even disguising themselves as zombies. This was supposed to be the ghost dance, which is was a Native American religious movement from the late 1800s that I looked it up just to like, obviously I'm not an expert, not Native American. You're not Native American. I looked it up to kind of like, it was very much a, like, response to colonization. Mm. It, Which I, I just, I don't think this was used in a way that was not, not appropriative, but I don't feel like I can linger on it enough and, and explain it other right. than just, like, right. I don't think this is super correct. But, okay, so m- my initial thought and the way I made sense of it was that they were somehow going to sneak in past the zombies because they were... But no, they were doing the this they were, ghost the dance. The ghost dance. Again, Don't th- I don't think that's the way it's done. We don't have to linger on it at all. But more. this is why Celine wasn't able to touch. To take their souls. To take their souls. This happens a lot with Native American characters in comics, but especially X-Men. They, they, they always seem to have like this like... Mystical. Yeah. And it's like, it's like weirdly tropey. Like for, mm-hmm. it happened with Forge. It's happened with Warpath. Remember when we read Dead Avengers? Mm-hmm. and thunderbird was in that he yeah. kind of had something there too it just always seems to happen and it's always written written by writers who are not mm-hmm. native american mm-hmm. and it gives the feeling to me of when you like make a culture and a people that mystical it really diminishes them as a culture like it makes them like a fantasy race yeah, like it, 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 it does kind of, yeah, it, it, you're right. Like it, it makes, it kind of brings like a one-sidedness mm-hmm. and it, it tends to get kind of lumped together when they're like in like one sort of feel when like these were people of like incredibly different cultures. Right. 
Anyway, so it was, it, I kind of rolled my eyes at that a little bit. Yes. But they are immune to Celine. The The fight with Celine goes like that. Yes. They just like grab all her limbs and Warpath just runs in after having to deal with his brother. The knife. Yes, the, the encounter with the brother was... Mm. Was sad, but we knew brother was gonna gonna die. Yeah, I mean he was he was he was already dead. Yeah, he's uh, come back several times at this point. <laughs> he was in Dead Avengers or Dead X Men. It wasn't Dead Avengers. It was a Dead X Men. But this knife, this this knife that Celine had to have that was made out of the bones of her mother. Did I am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, it's super metal. Mom bone knife. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but Celine is definitely one of those villains that doesn't seem to have that that gray area of good person who had to make some bad decisions. Celine's just bad. Yeah. Yeah. They really don't try to humanize her much in this. She is very much like, she doesn't have a mustache, but she's like mustache twirly. Right. Right. Even like the one character that she seemed to like have a connection be and with and like, she kills right. Him. She's like, I love you and you disappoint me. Stab. Yeah. This happens in our kitchen a lot. <laughs> I say to the cantaloupe as I cut it, and it's not right enough. I love you, and when you disappoint me, (laughs) this is definitely what Chris means. Not that I'm stabbing him in the kitchen. He's Christy has never stabbed me, not the once. Never, never, ever. I've got a (laughs) days since Christy has stabbed me, like bulletin board, and it is the the whole length of our of the time I've known her. It's it's we're on. Oh, no, I was going to say day zero. That would have meant I stabbed you today. <laughs> Time since since Chris stabbed me. All right, guess we got to erase it again. Please get a band-aid. Yeah, Celine, Celine doesn't have a lot to do mm-hmm. other than just be evil. And even her her lackeys are kind of like, they have this moment where a few of them are like, we're going to die. And one of them is like, no, we're going to be like brought high. Mm-hmm. And then they just get whipped like super quick. Right. Right. I had somebody tell me that they thought I was going to like Celine because, you know, she was big, bad witch that is like scantily clad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, she's kind of boring. Kind of one note. At least in this. Souls. Give me souls. Also, I don't like to wear clothes. <laughs> Hoops Among Us hasn't had a souls don't like to wear clothes phase. <laughs> just, just want more from my villains. Yeah, and this is just one of her things. And may, I don't yeah. know, maybe, maybe there's more build up if we would have read the other things. That's true. That's true. I don't think I don't think there was a ton though. She just wanted to be a goddess. Why did she want to be a goddess? She wanted power. There was no like driving force other than just a lust for power. Mm-hmm. She's real old. Yeah. She just got bored being a cave person or whatever. Right. She's very modern fashion sense for someone that old. Yeah. She, she, well, she was a member of the Hellfire Club for a while. Right. Yes. Because there's that bit where she just goes in and like takes them out in like two panels. Did How did you feel about her whole circle kind of going out real, uh, real, oh. real chumpy? Yeah. Boy, does, uh, does Elixir disintegrate a boy? Yeah. I don't know if I really understand what he did there, because isn't Elixir just a Healy boy? No, Elixir can can um, has full control over someone's biology. Oh, yeah, he's an Omega level mutant. Oh, that's right. 
Yes. Okay, so he can't, but that that explains, like, I altered your DNA so you can carry this baby. Yes. Which was why when Hrim Hari was like, I pick the Healy boy. That was a good, that was good. That was a solid idea. Um, But yeah, so he must have just used his powers on Wither and altered his biology until he was exploded. Mm Mm-hmm. I kind of love that uh, Elixir hadn't had, or not, or not Elixir, that Vanisher. Oh, that he never actually had the tumor in his head? Well, he did for just for like a little bit. But like, he, Elixir was like, no, I, I removed that like a long time ago. Um, I didn't really want to put it in there in the first place. Right. You just got syphilis. <laughs> That's right. You just have stage four syphilis. <laughs> I forgot about that. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> I feel bad for Elixir because he is a teen. He is very young. Oh. Yeah. His whole deal is he came in. New Mutants had a storyline for a while called Academy X. Mm-hmm. And the gimmick was basically, what if we can make the X-Men school kind of like Hogwarts? Okay. In that, like, there were houses and they were had, like, rivalries and stuff. It was it seemed very much like a response from from the Harry Potter series. And... It kind of went from there, and they all the students went to different spots. But um, that's kind of where Elixir went. And Wither eventually decided to be evil, because, you know, someone's got to be evil. Yeah. And now he's gone. Except he's probably back, right? Everybody's back. Everybody's back. You read an X-Men story, and you're like, I don't know, maybe he's fine. on the wait list. <laughs> he is, well, Elixir is one of the ones who resurrects, so maybe he's like, mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. All right. Well, are we ready to get into some Twitter questions? Yeah. Did you like this? This 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 crossover? I don't think I asked you. I always say, Christy, did you like this? Oh, yeah, that's fine. Okay. All right. Twitter questions. <laughs> All right. Our first question comes from at Brawl2099. Was Blink just a completely pointless inclusion here, especially when 616 Blink has basically been replaced in our minds by the superior AOA Blink? Well, Brawl's got some some thoughts on 616 versus uh, AOA I, Blink. I feel like this is a loaded question, the type that I was told never to include on surveys. I don't hate Blink here. Uh, I think it's weird that she went evil. Um, cause she, we read her first appearance, which was in, back in Phalanx Covenant. Right. I'm like. And she was just a sweet, sweet little evil, mi- mimic. Evil blink. Yep. Evil blink. She, why, she explodes you, like many do, people. Why, why are you being such a bad? Why are you teleporting people's skin off? That's not cool. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do it. No. The art in this that represented her powers was not as cool as the first time when it just did like. Oh, that cuts. was, that was neat. That was sick. That was neat. Um, so they should have done that. Mm-hmm. I like AOA Blink a lot, though, too. She's very, like, exuberant. Mm. Mm. Exuberance is good. Yep. All right. Next questions come from at Asimov underscore fangirl. First question, or first Asimov fangirl says, hi. Thank you, Asimov fangirl. Hello. First question, which is your favorite method or type of resurrection in fiction? I mean, there's a lot to be said for the, the current, like, Five Ugh. resurrection model. That one is so wild. I think my favorite one is this is a cheat answer. It's the they were never they never actually died in the first place. Oh, you thought they were dead. Yeah, but... that, that's my favorite. And I know it's so silly, but I still like it. <gasps> the uh, well, they buried him, but was actually alive. 
Mm-hmm. This is this is that's a uh, Craven's last hunt. That's true. Just <laughs> and question number two: Considering all the hijinks that have happened in Genosha since the Morrison era. Shouldn't the X-Men or the ONU put guards or something like that so no one else does more dangerous stuff there? Yeah, can it just be like a big memorial site? People just kind of go and sift through there, resurrect some people. The the zombies of Genosha have been resurrected two times! Genosha's a really bad place to have died. Yeah. I mean, it's not great to die. Like, you know, death is pretty, pretty right, tough to begin with, been- but like... How have they not like taken the bodies off or like buried them or they gotta do something? They buried them. They just come out of the ground when they turn to zombies. Not take them off the island. That's where they rest. Cremate them. Not all peoples are cool with cremation. Well, the peoples who aren't cool with crea- cremation probably aren't cool with just being buried on a random island and resurrected. <laughs> it's not random. That was where they lived. Random island. <laughs> I'm getting tickled. <laughs> All right, our next question comes from at Cave of Splendor. The X-Men have now fought hordes of zombies, Necrotia, vampires, Curse of the Mutants, and murder aliens, the Brood. What horror monster horde should they fight next? Mummies! (laughs) Is there... I don't feel like I've ever seen, like, a horde of mummies, though. No, it doesn't happen very much. It's normally, like, one big bad mummy. Like like in the uh, the titular 90s movie, The Mummy. Mm-hmm. A foundational, transformative, <laughs> The Mummy. The Mummy. Um, what about Frank... No, they've actually fought Frankenstein. That's happened, too. Yeah. They did that in Wolverine and the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Creatures from the Black Lagoon, just a whole lot of them. Um, what about Cat Peoples? Like, from the movie Cat People. I've not seen the movie Cat People. She turns into a panther. That, I mean... Why have they got to fight the cats? Why can't they be friends? I don't know. They say what you want them to see him fight. Uh, I'm just following the question prompt. Yeah, yeah. Monster <laughs> horde. Other monsters. Um, werewolves? Have they fought packs of werewolves? No, I don't think so. Yeah. So I, 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 that wouldn't be like a horde, but they'd have a big werewolf encounter. What if an X-Men movie started with Werewolves of London? I would immediately be there. <laughs> I'm just thinking about, like, the packs of werewolves from True Blood. You know what I'm thinking of now? What if they started it with that, and I thought it was Werewolves of London, but oh no! It was all summer long by Kid Rock! Oh no! You turn the movie off. (laughs) You turn that off. That gets me almost every time. Alright, our next question comes from at Austin Gordon. If you could have another character come back via the event the event being ex necrotia and stay back a la cypher who would it be well now it's everybody so yeah they're all back they're all back but let's say at the time at the time and destiny yeah destiny would have been good moira would have been good Moira. well moira was dead but it was the moira golem okay yeah destiny i think is, is the best yeah. answer. thunderbird is a good answer for me too mm. a lot of people though are like thunderbird is better as a dead character who has a brother who has to deal with the legacy of having a dead brother but i don't think that's fair i kind of like thunderbird mm. Mm. he died really early on in x-men it was unfortunate that's sad it is mm. they were fighting a bad guy named count nefaria no. not even nefario mm, nefaria that's what his name is he's nefarious yeah, let's keep going. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question comes from at Nola Fow. Is Celine not the worst? I mean, she's kind of the worst. She's kind of the worst. Yeah. 
Next question from Hat Scott P. Redmond. Were there any of the scores of dead mutants that didn't make the zombie res- resurrection cut, on page at least, that you wish had at least showed up in the event? A lot of, like, the really, like, big ones did, like Doug mm-hmm. and the Hellions and Thunderbird. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did We did see Sink and Skin on page. Yes, but I would have liked it, it to more. be more. Because I feel like we got, in those first few X-Force issues, those pages that had just, like, one-panel shots of bunches yeah, of people. Yeah, and I thought that would maybe be expanded upon. And it didn't. It didn't. It was kind of a decompressed story with X-Force stuff. Right, mm. right. Uh, so, I feel like there's definitely mutants that we saw resurrected that I would have wanted to see more from. Because just because you see it on panel doesn't mean it really gave you any right. story. It's just like, oh, they're zombies. Yeah, like they brought back Negasonic Teenage Warhead, who is like part of this really like big Emma moment mm-hmm. in Morrison's run. And like, that's it. You, you later see her get, like, subsumed by Celine again. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if there's anybody... I mean, there's anybody that we didn't see that I really wanted to see, and I feel like even if we'd seen them, there oh, wouldn't what have if, been... What if... Now, this is weird because this isn't really... This doesn't make a lot of sense, but what if Maddie would have shown up? Mm. I, Maddie might have been alive at this point. I am not sure. Right. I don't think she was. Mm. Wait, was... Jean was... Dead at this point? Gene was dead at this point. Gene would have been wild. Oh, yeah. Because were Scott and Emma a thing at this point? Oh, definitely. That would have been great. It would have been pretty good. I don't know why. I think maybe they were just like, no, no, no. Right. Absolutely not. This is an X-Force story. <laughs> right. Well, Gene should have come back. Gene! <laughs> All right. Uh, our next ca- question comes from at Sean42AZ. What did you think of the new way they interpreted Cypher's language powers after bringing him back in the event? Oh, where he can read people. Uh, I mean, I wasn't... If you can suspend your disbelief that that is a, a way that his power can work, I think it's pretty cool. See, I am of the opinion that Doug is like a perfect example of how comic books have to have punching and cannot envision things without it. Whereas... I like what he does now as kind of like an interpreter, communicator. Mm-hmm. I really liked how he interpreted body language. I thought that was pretty cool. That but like cool. knowing the language of violence was just, yeah, that was a little eye rolly. I do want at some point for someone, for him to hit on someone and be like, hey, I'm Doug. I know the language of love. I mean, he's married. So who is he hitting on? Uh, her. <laughs> Look, she fell for him incredibly quickly, so he must he must be getting something right. <laughs> Doug's large wife. <laughs> we have uh, a couple of questions from at Big Dad Energy. Uh, you like the horror movie variant covers? We didn't look at these. We'll need to. Maybe we'll look at them and post post some of them on the. On I the think Twitter. that's a great idea. Yeah, I'm right. sure I like. I love horror movies, so I'm sure I would have loved the horror movie variants. Okay, and next he gives us some options of what we think the zombie story, uh, which was most successful at also being a superhero story. And our choices are uh, Necrotia, which is 2009-2010, Chaos War, which was 2010, Blackest Night, which was 2009-2010. to I'm going to say no on Blackest Night. I've read it. Okay. It's a Jeff Johns. I don't know if we're going to read it because I don't know if I want to cover Jeff Johns anymore. Mm Mm-hmm. 
readers recently, uh, there's been a lot revealed about Jeff Johns's like heinous Hollywood related racism with, with respect to Ray Fisher from Justice League. I don't know if I really want to cover a lot of Jeff Johns. If we do, I will call it out again and again. Um, Blackest Night didn't feel superhero-y to me. It, it kind of does at the end in the way that like Jeff Johns is like very basic vanilla superhero-y. But we read Chaos War. That's the one with Hercules. Oh. I thought that was very superhero-y. No, it was like the lit, like the like not zombie, not zombified, gross, but like the literal dead, because they were like kicked out of hell or whatever because of oh. um, the the chaos lord took over hell. Oh, yes, that's where Th- Thunderbird came back for that. Yes, and Destiny. Okay, Destiny came back. Destiny and Thunderbird came back like twice in like a two year span. Wow. I like that one, though. Remember, they, they make yeah. a pocket universe and convince him that he's everything, and he's like, I'm the whole universe. And they're like, yep, go away. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Yeah, but I love that Hercules run. Like, Okay, so you think that was more successful at being a superhero story than Necrotia? Yeah, I don't... Necrotia is not super superhero-y to me. But, I mean, it's just... It, it probably is. I have... I, I sometimes am like... When I think about what is superhero-y, this just doesn't quite fit it to me. All right. All right. Well, speaking of things that are superlative, are we ready to get into some accolades? Sure, accolades. Christy, what's that best line? All right. My best line uh, comes from Laura X23. Oh, what does she do? She gets she gets so little screen time in this, it's upsetting. But what does right. she do? Uh, so this is after Rain finds out that she is pregnant. And Rain says... How can this be happening? And Laura says, we must assume the two of you had... S-. And she gets cut off. <laughs> that is pretty good. I love that Laura just, like, explains this. Like, it's a normal thing you should right. do in conversation. Right. And Elixir just, just cuts her off. Laura, I don't think that's what she meant. <laughs> My best line is some super purple dialogue from Magneto. Ah, Okay. Where he says, release your hold on the child, Proteus, or I'll send you scampering back to your grave like a dog to a kennel. Yeah, that's that's a fun, that's a fun superhero design. He's literally like, his, his like he's like half like with his back turned, so he's like mm-hmm. showing his butt too. It's real strange. <laughs> All right. Well, what about your greatest hero? I'm going to go give it up for Warpath. Yeah, this is the Daily Double here. Yeah. Hit it, Matt D. Wilson. He just, you know, he figured it out. He saved the day. He had to kill his brother. That was real Yeah, sad. he had to kill his brother. And then, then he killed the goddess, the super tall goddess. Yep. Just a, <laughs> like that vampire lady from Resident Evil. <laughs> tall lady. <laughs> All right. What about our your coolest moment? My coolest moment was, and it should probably be from the X-Force issue, but it wasn't. It's when Magneto shoots the two of them into space. That was incredibly cool that he just takes the rock and like, well, he can't jump into them if uh, we're on a rock in the middle of nowhere. Basically, it was great. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, mine, I gave to the moment when um, you kind of expected Vanisher to run and uh... he doesn't run. He goes in for Warpath and then the last second of the nick of time uh, teleports X-Force away. And mm-hmm. it's it's this really cool moment of heroism on Vanisher's part, and you're not quite sure what to expect from him. Is he going to leave them high and dry? Uh, so I thought it was... I didn't want to give 
Vanisher the greatest hero award, but I feel like this moment was really cool for both like visually and for him as a character. Yeah, that's fair. And it, it is, it, he's like, Warpath was nice to me or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's yep. like, wait, wait, wait. James is in there? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, man. You gotta do the right thing. You know what? We cannot, we, every time that Vanisher shows up, I have to emphasize this man's name is Telford <laughs> Porter. <laughs> What? <laughs> Telford Porter. Well, speaking of silly things, what, what about our, our Crusher Creel Award for silly villainy? Celine got tall. That's so. That's she, very silly. She absorbed souls and got big and turned into like a flashlight. <laughs> she became a light source in the dark. Yeah. She became like the light of her at, at end deal, but big. <laughs> big and big and blue. Yeah. Dabba chi dabba die. <laughs> uh, well, my silly villainy also goes to Celine, but Celine for uh, the way that she stabs Eliphas. Ugh. The, you have always been and will forever be my one true love and my greatest disappointment. Stab. Stab. That doesn't feel silly to me, but that's... Uh, <laughs> oh, to me it feels silly because it just feels so campy. It is very campy. It's, mm-hmm. it's like one of those moments where you're like, oh, right, I'm reading superhero comics and mm-hmm. not actual literature. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I love our QFC award, which is an award that we give, an accolade that we give uh, to a moment that we think would be enhanced by a musical number. Mine is Warpath fighting his brother. I think it could have been real cool. I think we could have had a big emotional, emotional, the duel sort of thing. See, I think it could have been really comedic. I know these aren't the groaning zombie types, but like, what if Warpath had like these really emotional moments and then Thunderbird just responded back with like a, "Uh." like from Young (laughs) Frankenstein where they do putting on the Ritz and they're like, when you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? And Frankenstein's like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I thought Celine would need a big dad, like villainous number. Mm. Um, like, you know, it's almost time, time to get me the souls, bring me the souls. Like, I, I, I feel like she's just oh, such like an over the top Disney villain. She is kind of maleficent y. Mm-hmm. And a little bit um Ursula. Mm-hmm. All all of those things. Yep. Just just all wrapped into it. Yeah. I felt like she just needed a, a fun villainous number where she explains her plot and maybe does some fun dances with her, her minions that ends in her stabbing her one true love. Oh no. And then bring me the souls. <laughs> bring me. Bring the souls to me. <laughs> All right, Christy, let's go down with the ship. What is the, who are you shipping in this crossover? Oh, so the relationship that is my favorite is Destiny and Rogue. Mm. And so obviously this is not a romantic ship. This is, this is a, just a relationship. I'm a, it's not even friendship because it's, it's a mother daughter and it's, it's real sweet. And she has, you know, her destiny moment where she said, she's, she says, um, where Rogue's like, I, I have to tell you about my life, what's happened to me. And Destiny says, I've seen it, what was and what's to come, and I always knew you'd make me proud, Rogue. Oh, It's so sweet. 
<laughs> Why isn't Rogue trying to get Destiny back more? Maybe she's just accepted that she's gone. Maybe. Maybe. That's fair, actually. It's fair. It's a fair question. Mm-hmm. What ship would you go down with? I guess hit Rimhari and Rain. Uh, it was a it was a big selfless. He did sacrifice. literally go like, "What's up? Going to hell? All right, bye." Like I'm I'm tr- gonna try and get back, babe. I'll I'll try and come back. Sorry, you're gonna have to give birth to your mouth. <laughs> oh, we have not explained that to the readers, and we're not going to. <laughs> Moving on to the goodest hit. Mine is when Laura slices Senyaka. Oh. After Wolverine is like, sorry, I'm a slow learner. Or like Senyaka said something like, like I creamed you last time, or like I, I beat you up last mm-hmm. time. And Wolverine's like, I'm a slow learner. And Laura goes, I'm not, and like just slashes him. <laughs> it rules. My goodest hit uh, actually goes to um, Psylocke when she, with Colossus. There is this moment uh, where they're talking before they go into the battle. Colossus says, uh, have your powers shifted back to what they were then, telepathy rather than telekinesis? And Silex's like, why are you asking? Uh, only because the timing is unfortunate. If ever we stood in need of a heavy hitter, now would seem to be. And she just huge blow to Colossus and then goes and stands on top of him and says, Heavy enough for you? And Glasses is just like, da, da, I believe so. <laughs> that was pretty good. It was just such a fun sequence of events. So mm-hmm. the hit was real cool, but like the dialogue around it was just heavy enough for you. There's a lot of X Men moments where the dudes in X Men just get completely clowned on by the ladies. Yeah. yeah. It I feel like, a lot. I feel like I really expected those moments as a kid like yeah i'm a girl and like look at all these moments when i'm gonna show the boys what i can really do and like that's just how life was gonna be gosh life's a disappointment (laughs) i'm sorry dear i feel like that's kind of why i liked playing magic the gathering oh because you could clown on the boys right like it was the thing where i could show up and be really underestimated and then just be like bam look you just got beat by a girl and just g- fulfilled that young Christy wish fantasy. Oh, I thought that always kind of drove you crazy that there weren't more girls. I mean, yes, I would have loved girlfriends uh, that played magic, but also there's just like an incredible high to like socking it to the, to the, to the guys in a guy's game. I liked when you were six months pregnant, mm-hmm. five months pregnant. Yeah. It was like six, probably, right? Wasn't mm-hmm. it like February? Yeah. Sounds about right. You were like, you were, you were like belly over the table. Yeah. You were, you were very visi- visibly pregnant and like mm-hmm. nearly day two to Grand Prix, which means you were like creaming all sorts of people. Yes. You were definitely the, the only pregnant person there. <laughs> at, at least the only visibly pregnant person there. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. <laughs> it was great. Wish fulfillment. <laughs> Being pregnant, whipping boys. Was that still? Were you pregnant when you when you got got like top twenty at that PTQ too? Were you just like less pregnant at the time? No, I think the PTQ was the. No, you had to have been pregnant. Oh, it was cons. Oh, readers don't care about this, Uh, but no, I I think you were just barely pregnant. I mean, some of my. Like when we were getting like really competitive was when I was pregnant, and then I was like, "Oh, you have a kid!" Oh, whoops! I'm not gonna play no more. Nope, 
Maybe someday. Someday. Yep. Someday we'll bring the kids back. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be the mom that shows up that nobody expects to beat them. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're just here playing because your kids are playing? <laughs> That's really cute. Crush you. <laughs> yeah. Well, readers, that's X the Crusher. <laughs> thank you for sticking with us. Yeah. Uh, thank you to Gerald again for requesting this, uh, giving us um, his hard-earned Patreon dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a Kofi, if y'all are interested in that. That's for one-timers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's going to be in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening to this on the day that it came out, it is like Teacher Appreciation Week. Uh-huh. And... You know, if you want to appreciate a teacher, I'm a teacher that you could appreciate. Yeah. I definitely buy lots of, lots of things from my classroom out of my own pocket. Yeah, it's awful. (laughs) (laughs) But if you want to get a hold of us, you can do so at Chris's Pod on Twitter and Facebook. And you can send us longer form messages at Chris's on Infinite Earths at gmail.com. If you want to uh, support us in a non-monetary way, give us those five-star reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, etc. Mm-hmm. We will read those iTunes five-star reviews on the podcast in their entirety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, I, I love all the fun fun little details and uh, the thought put into those iTunes reviews. They're delightful. You can check out Christy and I's work uh, pretty close to weekly at comicsxf.com where we write about comics. Mm-hmm. And also that's where you can catch these episodes now, too. They're also... Sure, they're cross-posted. They're cross-posted. Yep. We have another... We have The the hits keep on coming. It is, it is Patreon season. The next episode is yet another Patreon request. It's going to be Final Night, requested by uh, Eisner Award-winning editor of Wawak Women Write About Comics, Corey McCreary. Corey, thank you for requesting this particular crossover, which is apparently really good. I've never read it. I'm excited. Yeah. It's a hot five issues, apparently. Sounds great. Love it. Apparently there's there's some fun tie-in content. Yeah, so you could probably dig into that if you wanted to. Yeah. I mean, we're getting close to the end of the school year. We it's are. That time. It's that it's time, time where I can dig into tie-ins. Yep. Ooh. And then, and then we have still have, I think, two more Patreon requests crossovers, and then we'll start getting into voting, and then we can start actually like making our own choices again. I just read what you tell me. It's time to yeah. You thank kinda, you for you thank you never, for managing the yeah. Patreon. Yeah, no biggie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank you, readers, and until next time, slay your enemies, and all you desire shall be yours.